please God, here we go. It's like, what are we talking about today? <laughs> confidence in God is what I'm talking about today. Confidence in God is what we are talking about today. Without confidence in the Lord, we really uh, have nothing. Without, without a trust that is unswerving, a full persuasion that we can stand on and walk on, we're sunk. And no matter how many times we, you know, even read the Bible passages or fellowship with Christian believers, if we lack confidence in who God is in his word and how he's expressed his faithfulness to us, really, we will be at a great loss. And we will not go from victory to victory, but we'll go from loss to loss to loss. And at the end of the day, it wasn't God's fault. It was us lacking a diligence to come and know who he is. Like Peter had um, spoken to us. If we just go to first Peter, that comes to me first. So let's go to Peter's writings. It's actually just a minute. I think it's second Peter. I'm going to look at First Peter and then Second Peter because both they really do tie together and they, they, they really recap my heart at this moment. Blessed, this is First Peter 1 and we'll look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father. And I love, this is Peter. This is, the, this is the one that wasn't really at times. This is the one that couldn't steal himself, the one that walked in revelation and great doubt so much that um, in the midst of uh, a divine utterance, the next thing that came out of it was a demonic incantation, and Jesus had to rebuke him, get thee behind me, Satan. This particular Peter that had to repent after he denied Jesus, after he denied Jesus. And um, so this is the man that carries a repentant heart. He has confidence in the living God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy. Do you know that he has abundant mercy towards you today? According to his abundant mercy, he has begotten us again to a living hope. Confidence in God is knowing that I have a living hope. I have a way out of every situation. It is a way that is a lie. A living way out. The way of life. The way of Christ is the way of life. And the way of Christ, this way of life, is my living hope. And we're begotten again through this, to, to, to this abundant, through this abundant mercy, to this living hope, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept, we are kept, who are kept by the power of God through faith, through this divine persuasion of a reality that is not seen to the natural man. And so our confidence is in the keeping power of God, that we are being kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And then if you go to Second Peter, Chapter 1, this is verse 2. 
This is where we're to, to express diligence in the knowing of who he is, that he is the father of all mercies. And Second uh, uh, Peter 1 verse 2, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. In the knowledge of God, we cannot have confidence in God without knowing God. And so he's praying, Peter is praying, the same Peter is praying that the grace and peace be multiplied, that we know God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is my Father too. As his divine power, verse 3, as his divine power has given to us all things. We read in the first portion that we just did in, in First Peter that we're being kept by the power of God. And here he's saying that his divine power has given me all things. Where is your confidence today for all things? Where is your confidence today for all things? For all things that pertain to your life, where do you put your confidence in? And I'm really talking about a sobriety of a response. Analyze closely where you put your trust, what you labor for the most. Is it the laboring of the food that does not perish, that Jesus said, I have food you know not of? that does not perish, it is to do the will of the Father that sent him? Or are you laboring for food that perishes to sustain yourself for one more carnal day, one more carnal day to make it through one more carnal moment? If I can just make it through this really difficult moment, maybe on the other side I'll see the rainbow of God, the promises of God. Right now, right now, you're being buoyed by divine power. Right now, you're made ready to overcome all things. Because he's given us, he has, he has given us divine power for all things that pertain to life and godness. How, how is it given to us? Through the knowledge of him. Through the knowledge of our God. Confidence in God. There are just some times you come into that without you knowing who he is, you give up. Without you knowing that you're being kept by supernatural working of the Holy Spirit. That you're being kept through a divine power in verse 4 that is really working to us through this exceeding great and precious promises. You are walking on the word of God. You are to walk on the word of God. You're not just to speak the word of God out of vain repetition. You are made to walk on the word of God. You are on, you are an overcomer through the word of God. And so everything has been given to us through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, but which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious 
promises that through these, through these promises, you are now a partaker of divine nature. You are walking in conformity to his nature. You are walking in the dominion of his nature. You're walking in the power of his word. And as you do so, you are escaping every corruption that is found in this world through us. You're coming out of every problem. You're coming out of every problem, not through another little conversation with your good, good friend that is trustworthy. Not with a little kind word to a weary soul. Not to a little pat on the back. You're going to make it, Desi. Come on, Desi. Just trust God, Desi. Oh, how about you trust God? There are times... You have to come in the reality of the word of God. And the reality of the word of God is a full forsaking of a carnal thought. It's a forsaking of, woe is me, someone pity me. It's a forsaking, no one gets me, no one will ever get me. Thank God they don't get us. Carnal minds don't get the things of the spirit, by the way. Okay, let's go in the message now. Confidence in God. We're going to go to Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 19. What is this confidence based on? What is this persuasion of assurance based on? On the reality of God. 10, 19. This is the right of Hebrews writing to us about boldness. And this is the word that we'll be looking at. Therefore, brethren, having boldness. This word is confidence. It's actually the Greek word. Word 3954, that is boldness, openness, freedom of speech, uh, free to be free, to be fearless, to be confident. And look at this other one, to be cheerfully encouraged, to have a cheerful courage. Cheerful courage. Why did God tell Joshua, be courageous? Therefore, brethren, having boldness, confidence in God, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. My confidence today is not that I have done everything right or that I will ever do anything right. My confidence in fellowshipping with my living God is based on the blood of Christ. What makes you bold today? What gives you a bold declaration of faith? What brings you into a moment to shift every mountain that has exalted itself above the knowledge of God in your life? It is this boldness, this confidence that is based on the blood of Christ. And because of the blood of Christ that has been shed, the Holy, the Holy Spirit has been given to us. The blood and the spirit is what we'll focus on today. The blood of Christ and the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Christ. Jesus, no higher name than the name of Jesus. No higher blood than the blood of Christ. No higher spirit than the spirit of the living God. I am stirred up. Do you know why? Boldness is required in this hour.
Great boldness and a forthrightness to know that you are called of God to be a light into this world. And so my boldness is, is to enter and to abide in the holiest, not to just make it through the day. How cheap is that? Why would he cheapen it to just making it through the day? He's saying boldness is required. Is re- uh, words. When I get like that, words, I pray you understand what I say. Boldness is required to enter the holiest. Confidence is given to you by the Spirit to fellowship with you, Father. On the basis of the blood. You see, you have already overcome everything in the world. That ought not to be your care anymore, by the way. If you want a little recap, go to the message of last week. Don't worry about your life. So if you're worrying about making it through the day, I did confidence for today. Okay, go listen to last week's message. Don't worry about your life. We got to get a little bit higher than just making it through the day. He says... Brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. What is this? What is it talking about? What is it saying? By a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh. He gave his blood and body to give us this boldness to enter and abide and reside. In the reality that is above. Mm. I want to pray in tongues. I want to pray in tongues. Divine mysteries. Divine mysteries through the blood and the broken body of Christ are being unveiled right now. Right now, the greatest unveiling is to do with the sacrificial offering once and for all of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where your boldness is at. And that's why Paul said, I desire to know nothing among you but Christ and him crucified. Once and for all, he gave up his body. Because the blood, the blood of his is a lot more precious. A lot more precious than the blood of bulls and calves. But you know, I, I, I think of, I think of if we just drop a little down what a sobering word there is in verse 26 of the same chapter, Hebrews 10. For if we sin willfully, after we hit the power of the blood, don't consecrate, don't desecrate, sorry, don't desecrate it. After we've received the knowledge of the truth there, no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testament, on a testimony of two or three witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be? <laughs> wow. Thought worthy who had trampled the Son of God underfoot. Counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing. Don't ever Count, this is why I read this. Don't count. Don't, don't cheapen 
The blood of the covenant has a common thing. It's not a common thing. Just because your brother saved, you're saved. Okay, common salvation. It's not a common thing, though. How can we fellowship with those that are desecrating the most preciousness that he has given to us, the blood and the life of his son? And look at this. As you cheapen the blood, you're insulting the spirit of grace. The blood and the spirit are my confidence today. If we go to chapter 9 and verse 11 about the blood, but Christ as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation. What we're talking about is not of this creation. And the way we cheapen it is by making it part of this creation. Jesus, among many other ways, I believe in Jesus alone to make me go to heaven. But you know, in the middle of from here to heaven, I'm going to serve everything else that's under the sun. I'm going to, I'm going to idol worship my job. I'm going to idol worship my family. I'm going to, I'm going to like bow the knee to money. I'm going to bow the knee to influence. I'm just going to bow the knee to everything that the world offers. But you know, I only believe in Jesus. It's time to take a deeper look. It's time to, 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 to open up, open up, uh, no more hiding, no more hiding. Lest we cheapen or, or, or diminish the power of the blood of Christ. And what did he say? Insult the spirit of grace. It's not minor. We'll give an account. For this blood he shed for us. Because if we continue, verse 12, that he came, that he came. Uh, okay, let's, 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 verse 11 again. Christ came as high priest of good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands that is not of this creation. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. With his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, the blood and the spirit through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God. That's why we can come here back to chapter 10. And what do we see? He said that once and for all through his blood, he entered into the holy, most holy place. So we can now come into chapter 10. He says, therefore now you to come boldly through the same blood, the same blood that your master entered into heaven is made available for you and I. And then, of course, he compares how much greater his blood is than the blood of the heifer and the goat and the ashes of a, of a heifer. 
Because that's why what we read further down in chapter 10, that if the one that transgressed the word of Moses had a, a, a standing judgment on the testimony of two, how much more now? How much greater is this condemnation if we tremble underfoot the blood of the master? The once and for all blood that speaks a better word than that of Abel. Why am I stirred up? Because you and I will give an account to God. And it's time to wake up, time to shake off the religiosity of the hour and, and counting Christianity as a common thing. It's just a common thing. Don't you know? I've always gone to church. It's how we always do it. Don't you know? I'm a Christian, but I look just like the world. Counting it as a common thing as of this creation. It's not of this creation. And so here now, it gets a little more intense. This word boldness, this word confidence. Hmm. In, in, in chapter 10, we go back again and um, talks about persecution. Uh, if I go to 32 and I'll move on, I'm going for I think 35, yeah. But recall the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great struggle with sufferings, partly while you were made a spectacle, both by reproaches and tribulations. Well, that's what we know Jesus endured. That's what we know Paul endured. And partly while you became companions of those who were so treated. For you had compassion on me in my chains and joyfully accepted the plundering of your goods. Knowing that you have. Why joyfully? Joyfully because you know. Because you know you have a better and an enduring possession. For yourselves in heaven, there is unsolid, Peter said, incorruptible, reserved for you in heaven. What is this? It's this entry into the most holy place through the blood of Christ. An ability to fellowship with your Holy Father on the basis of the blood and the lead of the Spirit. An honor to the blood of Christ and an honor to the Holy Spirit. This is the hour. I think of Ananias and Sapphira lying to the Holy Spirit. Deception ought not to be tolerated in your camp. He said, joyfully, you accepted the plundering of your goods, knowing that you have a better and an enduring possession for yourselves in heaven. 35, this is it. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence. This is the word. The same word that we read in, in nine, sorry, in ten about boldness. Having this boldness. Do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Look, why? Why am I not supposed to cast this confidence? That, that carries reward just to be seen by men. Oh, she's such a strong woman of God. Oh, he's such a strong man of God. No! For you have need of endurance, buddy. You and I will be stretched so we can enter through the narrow way of the Spirit that is no longer you and I in the natural man, but Christ, the living one. 
for your need of endurance, that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promised. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. He is coming. He's a soon coming king. Now the just shall live by faith. This is all part of endurance and confidence. You got to live by faith because there have been many times and most times, especially in these days. Nothing in the natural looks like anything's changing. It's changing. It's working for you and I. If anyone draws back, can I say, loses confidence? My soul has no pleasure of him, in him. But we're not of those that draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Confidence in God. Glory be to God. And Hebrews 4.16 is another use of this word. On the basis of all that I said, the writer here. Again, if I go to 14, you see, whom you see before you, it determines which way you go. Seeing then that we have a great, are you seeing it today? Do you have a great high priest that you live life before him who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Don't give up. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Let us therefore come boldly, boldly with confidence, with this cheerful, cheerful courage, fearless today, enter in and abide. Come and partake of the goodness of your heavenly Father. That word that I said, this confidence in the context of what we've read here, especially in Hebrews, but I have a lot of other verses I, I'll go through as the Lord leads me now, but it's the 39.54, and it's boldness, it's confidence. It is from pass and a derivative of Rio. All outspoken, it is to be all outspoken. Uh, all outspoken is that is frankness, frankness, bluntness. Look at the words. Oh, I can't say that. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. I'm not going to address it right now because they won't hear me. How many times? He says boldness. If you compromise your boldness in those private moments, you will not be able to enter and appropriate the power of the blood and of the spirit. If you tolerate the lies, look what boldness is, frankness, bluntness, <laughs> publicity, you do it in public. Yeah, that's why you need to die. No longer you. Who do you represent? By implication, assurance, Bold, boldness of speech, confidence, freely, openly, plainly. There's one thing about a pure conscience, you're open. You're plain. There's no more hiding. 
wide open. And it's important because this is how we appropriate our salvation. Boldly we to enter. Wow. I can do it there because God gets me. I'll be bold there because after all, the blood is shed. But in my own little fellowship, no, I'm not going to ruffle the feathers. Compromise. Fear of man. Yeah, I'm stirred up. Glory be to God. Let's go to, I have the account of Peter and John. Um, but I think I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians and, and, and bring the Holy Spirit here. 2 Corinthians 3, 3. Who are we? We're not of this creation. We are a new creation. And our salvation is not to be cheapened. Lest we grieve the Holy Spirit and insult him. My, my. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink. It's not about legalism of the writing. But by the Spirit, for where the Spirit of the Lord is with us, there is freedom. This boldness is of the Spirit. So your epistles written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stones, but on tablets of flesh, that is of the heart. You already through a new birth have a bold, strong, fearless heart. You through the Holy Spirit already have been marked by boldness and for boldness. And so here in verse 4, and we have such trust through Christ toward God. Not that we're sufficient of ourselves to think of anything of being of ourselves or from ourselves. Our sufficiency is from God. This is what confidence looks like. My sufficiency, everything that pertains to my life and godliness is of God. It is not of me. It's not based on a carnal arrogance. You see, either we walk in the carnal arrogance, me, look what I've achieved, how smart I am, or you walk in the humility of the Spirit and give God all the glory. Lord, not just lip service, but you know beyond the shadow of that of myself, I can do nothing. I've tried it. Nothing. Desi, good for zero. Nothing. Carnality leads to death. Our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient. Look, the sufficiency of the Spirit made us sufficient as a minister of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so then, let's go to, yeah, seven. We can, we can go and I think down towards 11. And if the minister of death written and engraved on stones, that's, that was what we refer to in Hebrews about the word through Moses was glorious so then the children of Israel could not look directly at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away. How will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? My boldness is because of the ministry of the Spirit within me. It's actually the Holy Spirit's boldness. For if the minister of condemnation had glory, the minister of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. 
For even what was, was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if, verse 11, for if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. And this is verse 12. Therefore, since we have such hope, we, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses. Can I pause right there? Unlike Moses, he doubted God because I'm not, I, I, I can't speak God. We have no excuse as such before God. We have this great boldness of speech on the basis of the ministry of the Holy Spirit that remains. Why does it remain? Because once and for all, the blood of Christ has been made a provision for us to enter and to abide. There's no need of further sacrifices. We, through the blood, are forever pleasing to God. We, through the blood, are forever accepted in God. And so, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face, so the children of Israel could not look sadly at the end of what was passing away. No more hiding. No more hiding behind the veil for someone else's benefit. For someone else's benefit. Okay, um, John. How did Jesus walk in this manner? How did Jesus walk? John 16, 25. We've read a lot from John 16 regarding the ministry of the Holy Spirit and that he's a discloser of truth and a revealer of that which is of Christ. He, he reveals to us and really through this unveiling, we become partakers of divine nature. If we go down to 25, I don't believe I've read it publicly. These things Jesus says, these things I've spoken to you in figurative language through parables. But the time is coming when I'll no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I'll tell you plainly about the Father. And that word plainly is that boldness word. I'll tell you openly. I won't hide from you anything. I won't withhold my father's understanding from you. Full disclosure. And I believe this is the ministry of the Spirit. Because if we look at um, verse 12 in that same chapter, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Still dull of hearing. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth, for he'll not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he'll speak. He'll tell you things to come. He'll glorify me, for he'll take off. He'll take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. And then if we read verse 25 on the heels of that, these things I've spoken to you, Jesus says, in figurative language, 
But the time is coming when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly, I will tell you boldly, I will tell you openly, I will tell you freely about the Father. This is who we have now, the freedom of the Spirit to tell us freely about the Father. In chapter 18, the words of Jesus again, 20. 1820, be bold today. Be persuaded by the boldness of the Spirit and speak forth His boldness. Look at these Pharisees, the religious mind, always questioning this boldness. He spoke with authority they, 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 when he, initially Jesus spoke to them. They recognized the authority of the Spirit. They did not have. They did not have it. And so here in verse 19, the high priest asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly, and that's the word, boldly. I spoke confidently. I spoke freely. I spoke plainly. I spoke openly to the world. Be confident in your God to speak confidently of him to the world. Jesus knew the Father. He says, Father, I know you love me. In John 17. So back to verse 20 and 18. I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always met. And in secret, I said nothing. Stop the secret conversations. Backbiting. It's not Jesus. Jesus always spoke plainly and openly and freely. That is confidence and that is boldness. And if you go in the back room and you go speak secretly and you backbite, I can tell you and assure you, you have no boldness of the Spirit because you've quenched Him. You've insulted Him. Said, you know, in secret I've said nothing. Why do you ask me? As those who have heard me, what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. Now that's confidence. Pure conscience. Saying, I've said nothing amiss. I've said nothing amiss. You go ask them. How confident is he in his word? That's how confident we are to be in his words. And I'll tell you what, what detracts us from this confidence in John 17. I think there is one. No, John 7. In John 7, an example. The fear of man. The fear of man. The pretense to want to be liked by everyone, to be man pleasers. John 7, 13, I believe. Here. Let's do 10. When the brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, as they were in secret. Then the Jews sought him, because there was a purpose in that going. There was a lead in that going. Because what they were just telling him, you know, demonstrate yourself. Be arrogant. Show yourself out. Show out, Jesus. Show off, Jesus. And he was not going to give them. He was not going to give them that pleasure. Okay. 
because in, if you go to just above in verse hmm, verse six, Jesus said to them, "Okay, let's let context." I just said, and what we read in John, in um, with the verse that we just read, was it seventeen um, or eighteen? That he didn't speak secretly. So what the enemy does is, you know, Jesus spoke openly. So what he, I have noticed, is he starts pushing us to go forward before our time and to show out that which God has shown to us. Oh, you know, Jesus never hid, Jesus was never secret, you know, he got a gift, show a gift. And so you step out prematurely without the lead of the Lord. And this is the context. So it's not about... It's not about not, um, it's not about, it's really about being sober-minded and hearing the voice of God in every single moment to be led. And so there are times when the Lord entrusts you with something, I wouldn't mutter it to another. And so I'll keep it tucked into my heart until the right time. And there are the times when I, when he gives me something to speak, it's to be released right away. And you know the difference when you walk in the Spirit. So here's one example. So it's not like Jesus is, is being back and forth. It's about context. So here, if we go to, hmm, let's do 7-1. Since I've opened it now, we, I got to do the whole thing. After these things, Jews, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart, depart from here and go into Judea, and your disciples also may see the works, that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. Show yourself. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. So we're not, you see, we're, we're to be bold in the declaration of the word of God, but not to be bold in showing out. <laughs> it's not about getting a fame, becoming famous. <laughs> no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe in him. And so here you have the enemy working of pushing you before your time. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is already always ready. Meaning in the world, it's always a good time. Just go jump. Just jump off the cliff and, and see if God will protect you. Is that what one of the temptations that Satan brought the way of Jesus? The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that it work, that its works are evil. You go up to this feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. When he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. So here we go. Verse 10. But when the brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not, not openly, as you were in secret. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much complaining among the people concerning him. Some said he is good. Others said no. On the contrary, he deceives the people. However, they said, however, no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. 
So no one spoke boldly of him. So it's about being bold of him. To speak boldly of him. Not to show out my gift boldly. Do you see there's a distinction here? So when we honor the blood and the Holy Spirit, it is really to bring out Jesus' fame. It's really to disclose the very nature of Christ. It is really to allow him to be seen alone in our life. That's what the boldness is for. That's what the forthcomingness is for. That's what the freedom is for. Not for me to be seen in my carnal ways and demonstrate some sort of a power. But it's for him to be seen. It's for him to have the accolade and the glory. But you see, there, the fear of the Jews, the fear of the culture, the fear of the world, the fear of the religion, holds back this boldness, holds back this boldness. Maybe we'll do the John and Peter next week, but I'm going to go to Paul's writings in Ephesians. And then we'll wrap it up with that. 3.12. I want to see where would I start. See, here is a perfect example of what I just talked about, boldness in disclosing him. Let's start from 8. To me who am least than the least of all, the saints, this grace was given. Was this grace given to Paul because he was the greatest? Was this uh, grace given to him because Paul had uh, a moment to, to show out his own strength? No, no. He was the least of all the saints. But this grace was given for what? That I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. No one spoke of him, we read in John 7, because of the fear of the Jews. But Paul prayed for boldness in the declaration of this gospel. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. And that's why the devil is terrified of you speaking in the right season. The enemy is terrified in your speaking in the right moment of God. And so what we'll do is he'll, he'll recognize that there's a shift of your vessel to be placed in a position in the kingdom of God to be fitted jointly within a different part of the body of Christ. Satan is, has an astuteness to him. And so he sees the giftings being paired up. What does he do? He starts shoving you. Speak now. Go and do the ministry. Now go pushing. Like they push the brothers, push Jesus. Out of time. For fame. For a man's renown. But not Paul. Not the apostle Paul who went into Arabia, into desert land. Did not confer with flesh and blood, but was led solely by the Spirit with the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And so the devil, when you move strategically by the Holy Spirit, as we see here, Paul, you're made to declare the manifold wisdom of God, the ultimate defeat of Satan forever. And really the higher part of it, of this declaration, is the very intent of God for this hour. Don't play around. God wants to use it for a bold declaration of his season, of his time. To make, to make known the manifold wisdom of God. It's made known by the church to the principalities and power in the heavenly place according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have, this is it, in whom we have boldness. Where is your boldness? In whom you have boldness. And access with confidence through faith in him. The blood access is through him, the firstborn. Therefore I ask that you not lose heart at my tribulations for you, which is for your glory. Doesn't mean there will be no persecution. In the midst of the persecution, boldness is granted. And that's what they, oh, I'm spitting, I'm all over. Um, that's what they prayed in Acts 4. Grant us boldness, but I'm not going to go to Acts. I'll just continue in Ephesians and I'll wrap it up here. Ephesians 619. Uh, sometimes you just want to say everything and you gotta like temper yourself. Desi. Desi, buddy. Okay. Hmm. This is right after the armor of God. Hey? How Moses found in Ephesians 6 that right after he he, he talks to, to us this mighty and discloses mighty revelation of really Christ's nature. It's the armor, the mind of Christ, the word of God, new creation, the humility that Paul walked in, in submission to the call, in submission to the Christ nature, knowing it's no longer him, but it's Christ in him. So here we see it. Here we see it in verse 17. Uh, as he finishes the armor, take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayers and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Look at 19. He just finished saying, you are strong in the Lord in the power of his might. But he did not take it arrogantly. 19. And for me, pray, he said. For me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly. That's the word. Confidently. To make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Look at the context that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. What are we talking about? Confidence in God. To proclaim the message of Christ. Not someone to say, oh, she's so confident. No. What? How are we using? What are we? How are we steaming the blood of Christ? Are we allowing the revelation of the blood 
uh, appropriating it, using it so we can enter boldly in the place of the inner, the most inner, holiest of holy place to fellowship with my heavenly father to know the intent and purposes of his heart so I can in turn boldly declare the manifold wisdom of God to powers and principalities though I might be what does he say an ambassador in chains one thing I want to do is speak boldly as I ought to speak these divine mysteries of Christ Glory be to God. Yeah, we're done. Amen.